Hi, I'm Beck Rayner and this is the Military Wife Life Podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports and embraces the women behind the military men by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. This episode of Military Wife Life is proudly brought to you by Defence Bank. Serving those who protect us, Defence Bank have the largest on-base branch network with 37 locations around Australia. They have Army, Air Force and Navy covered. To find your closest branch, visit defencebank.com.au. Welcome, Claire, to the Military Wife Life podcast. Thanks for coming on. How are you? Hi, Beck. Thank you for having me. I'm not too bad, thanks. We might start off with asking you about you and your partner. You guys have been together for about 14 years. Can you tell me how you guys met and how that all came about? I met my partner in roughly August 2005. At that time, I was studying at Charles Darwin Uni, that was Northern Territory Uni, and I was renting a place not far from the uni and my partner's friend who'd been in the army with him was studying to be a teacher and you know had invited him around a few times so that's how we met. So were you a Darwin local? Did you grow up there? No. no. So I moved to Darwin roughly 2001, 2002-ish. I'm originally from Adelaide and I had moved there with my ex husband who was a nurse I was a nurse and I was studying at uni so my ex-husband had left at the beginning of my fourth year at uni and I met my defense partner at the end of that so when you met was your partner already in the army or he had already been in the army for some time was he about to go away or like what was his posting like when you met so when I met him he was attached to an infantry unit and he was posted into an infantry unit and not long after we met towards the end of that year he was core transferred to a logistical role within the same unit. He had a a couple of postings within Darwin in different roles before we were moved on to Sydney. So you were at uni studying law was it? studying full-time dual degree at uni and doing evening nursing visits for my friend's private home nursing service so I was definitely keeping myself very busy and then added (laughs) in an army guy which I mean I think him probably going away might have been good because you could focus on the million other things that you had happening in your life (laughs) having everything else going on definitely did help keep me together when he did go away for exercises and bits and bobs so yeah and how long had you guys been together before he went away for the first time I think probably maybe a a year before he was sent away on exercises and things when we were together. There was probably within the first couple of months that we were together, there was the usual, we might be going overseas, we're not, we're going, we're not, you know, the usual tango that defence does. So probably for that first 12 months, there was frequent possibilities of him being required to go overseas. But I think the first time he he went away was just for usual training exercises and bits and bobs. When you were going into the relationship, did you give any thought to the fact that he would have to pick up and move? Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) No. 
that probably wasn't even on my radar, to be honest. So you'd not consider that in regard to finishing your uni degree and then wanting to establish a, a job or a network in the location that you were? It probably became more of a reality for me once he did get his first posting order. So I had been admitted to be a solicitor at the end of 2007. So we'd been together for a couple of years at that stage. And we didn't receive a posting order for him to be moved on to to New South Wales until the end of 2009. So I was a baby lawyer. I was less than two years admitted at the time that he got that posting order. And Darwin, as far as work in the legal area as a baby lawyer, is quite insular in that there was always work that wasn't particularly advertised. Um, So there wasn't any problem with finding work. And when the posting order came, I didn't really think twice about saying to my boss, look, I'm moving to Sydney and not realising how difficult it was to find work when I moved. So what happened when you moved? Obviously, you're moving states. How does that sort of work? Is it similar to like teaching? Are there different rules for different states? How does it sort of go? So it depends on what area of the law you're practising in. But if you are working in a field that the legislation is state-based, then yes, it does change between states. And it can vary from being just minor differences to some considerable ones. For me, when I moved, I didn't really factor in the difficulty level in obtaining work. Um, Again, because Darwin was such an insular place, it was kind of shielded a bit from the global financial crisis. So when we moved to um, New South Wales, people were still reeling from all of that. And a lot of people had been made redundant from law firms and I was applying for jobs with 400 other applicants who had studied in New South Wales. So it made it very, very difficult. So I decided to do a crazy thing and start more study while we were in Sydney. Were you regretting your decision? Well, I mean, obviously, if you wanted to stay with your partner, there wasn't a decision to be made. But were you, what were your feelings about the fact that you couldn't just pick up a job in the new location? It was tricky because uh, when we moved, I was also unwell. So just before we we left Darwin, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. So I was in the very early stages of of a chronic illness and them working out what was going on with me. So I arrived in Sydney with no friends and family and no job and it wasn't looking like I was going to get one for a while. But I was able to fall back on my nursing roots and actually worked as a casual nurse at a world baby unit in a facility called Caritani. I I worked there pretty much as a a full-time casual employee while I was studying and volunteering at a community legal centre and eventually got work as a paid locum in a community legal centre. So we just kind of... Put a finger in every pie and... Tried to (laughs) tackle things from as many angles as possible. And how did you go with a treatment plan for your rheumatoid arthritis when you were moving states? So you said that you'd just been diagnosed diagnosed with it before you left do you sort of take it to the next state and find a doctor down there or how did that work that in itself was a, a bit of a drama uh, the specialist in darwin only saw people on a couple of days of a week so it took months to actually get into her in the first place and when i first started seeing her she was not particularly helpful in finding a specialist in another state and so it was actually my local general practitioner who i'd been seeing 
through the uni because there used to be a uni medical centre who was able to help me find a very good specialist in New South Wales who I have up until only very recently continued to, to see remotely via Skype and all sorts of stuff. I've recently changed to a, a specialist that's actually based here in Brisbane. And how does that go day to day? Look, it's definitely better controlled than it was when we first posted from Darwin to, to New South Wales. But I've had sort of different issues with problems with drugs. You sort of treat one thing and create other issues. So I've had a bit of a flow on effect from those sorts of things. So we've had a few little hiccups along the way and uh, yeah, we seem to have replaced one set of problems with another as far as my health goes, but I just keep the plot on theory and try to work within my limitations now. In the early stages, did you have any expectations of what defence life would be like before you actually knew what it was like? Again, not really. So, I mean, I my father was in the army in his younger days, but was never deployed anywhere. My grandfather was in, in World War One, but I had not actually had any exposure to serving members as such growing up. So didn't really have any experience expectations there. In my pre-lawyer days when I worked as a nurse, I actually worked in, in Repat Hospital in Adelaide. So I had exposure to um, defence vets from all three services in that environment. But again, that's not exposure to someone living the lifestyle that we are now. Okay. And then once you were together for a while, what was the reality of being with someone in defence? The reality is, and I've heard my partner and other people sort of kind of joke about it but it it sometimes can have a bit of truth to it the old you know if you were meant to have a family you'd be issued with one kind of stuff so (laughs) sometimes you kind of feel like you are being towed along and other times you can feel extremely well supported it's a very strange and unique lifestyle it's definitely not everybody's cup of tea I would say and it's not necessarily easy but I guess we all just plod along with what we've got. Yeah. Enjoy the great, great times and, and try and support each other through the not so great times. Once you guys were posted to South Australia, you decided to set up your own practice. Can you talk us through how you decided to do that? So again, that was probably, you know, a string of different circumstances for me. So not wanting to repeat the not having work scenario that happened when we moved from Darwin to to Sydney. I actually um, applied for work in South Australia before we left Sydney. And initially, I had obtained work as a wheels officer at public trustee. So I wasn't actually employed as a solicitor, but at least I had a job to go to, which was great. Hey, Military Wife Life community. I wanted to take this opportunity to tell you a little bit about the Defence Bank Foundation and the great work they're doing in the defence community. The foundation raises funds to support serving and ex-serving ADF members living with injuries or illnesses such as post-traumatic stress disorder. In 2019, the sole beneficiary of the foundation was the Defence Community Dogs Program, a specialised dog training program which rescues abandoned dogs and trains them through correctional services. 40 service dogs have been trained and given to veterans since the Defence Bank Foundation was established. The program gives dogs, inmates and veterans a second chance at life. 
and then once I was in South Australia and I could, because every time you move states, you've got to change your practising certificate and everything over and there's a whole red tape process to go with that. And every time you change states and collect a new state, it becomes a bit more red tape because you have to obtain your certificate of good character and fitness from the prior jurisdictions law society and when you're making that application that certificate is only allowed to be 30 days or less you can only apply for them at the time that you are applying in the new jurisdiction and it's expensive because each state you have to pay to obtain the certificate and then you have to pay the fees for the new jurisdiction to get you practicing certificate there so it's quite lengthy red tape process and it's quite an expensive process so I kind of had a few things bubbling along in the background while I sorted all that kind of stuff out and then I started working for another practitioner part-time and that sort of increased to four days a week and just before my partner was due to receive his next posting order my contract was not renewed so my own business grew out of necessity because I was kind of left again in that no work not sure where where we go from here when I first set it up I wasn't prepared it probably wasn't in the circumstances that I would have liked where you you know get the opportunity to plan things carefully and work out exactly what you need but in the same vein I actually was able to as much as possible set myself up virtually and and I did that deliberately because I thought if we post out again um, I want to be as portable as I can so when we posted from South Australia to Queensland we had about seven months where we were MWDU and we sort of did the flying in between and then I was slowly trying to wind down my South Australian matters so that I could move my more mobile work with me. I was given permission, solicitors have to have professional indemnity insurance and I was given permission from my insurer to basically run my South Australian practice remotely from Queensland, which is what I did until the end of June and now I'm based in Queensland. And put aside the fact that, you know, you're moving to a new state and unpacking and setting up. And all the stuff that goes with it, yeah. Yeah, and finding a friend and, you know. So did it ever seem easier to just shut up shop and finish up with the practice was that even a possibility how does it work with legal matters the problem is again depending on the area of of law that you practice in and whether or not you do court work as to how you can operate and because these days i mainly practice in family law jurisdiction which makes me mobile because you can seek permission from the court to appear by telephone in certain circumstances So I have been able to appear by phone in some matters. But the nature of having matters that are before a court is they're subject to delay and adjournments and all sorts of stuff. So you can plan to do certain things, but it kind of can get blown out a little bit. My original plan was to try and wind up my court matters that were based in Adelaide as best as possible before I moved. But the reality of that was I was still flying down from Brisbane to Adelaide to appear in some matters where I wasn't able to achieve permission to appear by phone and other matters I was able to do that by phone so that made it a little bit easier. But Um, that cost was on you obviously. Yeah so I did not pass the travel costs on to clients at all. 
And so obviously when you were doing your law degree, you weren't with someone in defence, but when you um, had finished up your law degree and were going into the workforce and starting your career there, had you expected it to be as complicated as what it was to move around with getting jobs in the field that you... No, I I hadn't expected it to be as difficult and I mean even even working as a nurse before uh, I think it was around 2010 ish they made the nurses board Australia wide whereas prior to that you had to apply in each state like you do with the law societies and by the time they they did that I was admitted and had surrendered my nursing practicing certificate like you mentioned, you had um, your contract wasn't renewed when you were in South Australia, so you thought, okay, well, I'll set up my own practice. It sounds like you're not the type to sort of sit back and say, oh, well, I'll just wait till the next posting to get a job up there. How important is it to, for you to continue to nurture and focus your career and make it work alongside Defence Life? You know, I think it's important for both of us that I'm able to con- continue. Uh, I think for my own, probably my own mental health is to keep engaging in stuff that's challenging. If I spend too much time on my own not doing work, I tend to get sucked down the drain a bit of my rheumatoid arthritis and I spend a lot of my time convincing myself that I am not as unwell as my body is trying to tell me. And I think if I was left too much to my own devices, I could see that as having a pretty negative impact on my day to day. Obviously, it's part of your mental health plan to continue working and no matter which location you go to, to always make sure that you're ahead of the game and looking for work. It is, but... It's funny, it's kind of a double-edged sword too because I have some days where where work is exhausting because of the nature of the work that I do. So I have to be, be very careful about boundaries. I have to be very careful about actively engaging in some self-care, you know, all those things that sometimes we just don't really think about. So how do you go other, other than, you know, making sure you have proper boundaries? What sort of other things do you do to make sure that you have something outside of work as well? I have actively sought networks that are external to both my work and defence life. So I have different groups of people that I catch up with. I do have some defence spouse friends that I would catch up for coffee and things like that with. I have some lawyer friends that I do the same thing. I'm also involved in a club called the Happy Lawyer Happy Life Club and that is very much focused on making sure as a profession we help each other through that hard stuff. Lawyers tend to get sucked down the drain a bit Um, mental health wise because it's such a high stress environment and I've found that being part of that club made my transition from moving from South Australia to Queensland a lot easier because I actually had already met people virtually online through (laughs) that club and the the blessing part of defense life was when we moved to Brisbane I discovered that there was people here that I knew from other states that I've lived in that have moved here so it wasn't like Sydney it wasn't like moving to a place where I knew not a single soul so it was a very very different move. So what is your partner's general posting plan for the next few years is there a posting coming up or how um, much longer have you got before you might possibly move again? He's due for a posting order. He is hoping that 
it will be another Brisbane posting. But it, if it's not, we'll have to kind of cross that bridge as we get there as to how we transition me to wherever we're going next. By the sounds of it, it sounds like you've sort of got contacts in a fair few states now. So I have. I've been collecting people as I go. In saying that, what do you do when you move to a new area to establish friend networks? So I think you mentioned that you have felt previously that you haven't really fit into a category. You guys don't have kids and mm-hmm. it's often really hard when you work Monday to Friday to to get to any of the sort of networking or the yeah, events that are put on? The toughest move for me probably was that original move, Darwin, Sydney. But I asked people around and I was introduced to people via different Facebook groups and things like that and eventually met people that way. I wasn't really in the right group to go to the mums and bubs stuff because that was always during working hours when I was at work. The New South Wales, South Australian move was a lot easier for me because I had a network of friends there because that's my home state. So I had support already established in South Australia and I met some lovely defence spouses through my partner working at both Woodside and Keswick. Social media was definitely helpful in finding defence spouses who not necessarily fit into the mums with kids category or even defence spouses who, who do have little ones like to be able to go out and have kid-free events so (laughs) nights out or you know winery tours and stuff like that on the weekends as a defense spouse it's lovely to actually talk to other defense spouses who know what the hell it feels like because others not in in the environment just don't understand what it's like and and sometimes it's just nice to to keep it almost in-house I have had times where things have got me down and I've had to you know formally ask for help and it's something that I actually suggest to my clients dealing with family law matters if it's hard to make decisions from a place of emotional hijack so if you're not emotionally supported you can't make logical decisions and having chronic health stuff you do get depressed because you just get sick of dragging a body around that doesn't want to play nicely anymore so I have gone and seen a counsellor and had a good chat about everything that feels horrible and sometimes it's nice just to vent to somebody that doesn't pass that on to anybody else. (laughs) Yeah that's right and someone who can be I guess a medium ground. And to help you with a bit of a reality check of you're not losing the plot, you're actually managing quite well considering all the stuff that's been thrown your way and sometimes you just need to hear that from somebody else. What have you learnt along the way? I think it's important to have a variety of interests. I think what I've seen happen to some spouses is they are quite isolated from family and friends and because they don't expand their catch-ups outside of defence life, that's all they live and breathe. And I think it's nice to have attachments in a wide range of things and have stuff that you do just for yourself. I so hope you were able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things, 
I would so appreciate it if you could pop into Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a comment about what you would like to hear more of, or just some encouraging words. If you want to suggest a guest, I am always looking for new people to talk to. You can do that by jumping over to the website www.militarywifelife.com.au and clicking on our podcast page. I would love to hear from you. 